You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. And so we, 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 wrote, we wrote the draft and we sort of mixed it a bit and then we submitted it and uh, we got a unanimous consent to, for this motion to declare Montreal um, uh, a city of excellence in heavy metal. And the press went wild too, and the international press. And I saw my, you know, my name being mentioned in Japanese and Brazilian, uh, sorry, Brazilian Portuguese, and uh, and Finnish, and like all over the world. I was getting Google hits all of a sudden. It wasn't for that, <laughs> but it was amazing to see that we've we've been able to, to to vibrate this idea that Montreal is a is a city of excellence in heavy metal across the world. So it was a really fun. It was one of my funnest moments ever as a politician. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you are ready because Brutal North America launches next week. Uh, Brutal North America is presented by Indie Merch Store, is fueled by Heartbeat Hot Sauce Company, and is supported by Yakima Chief Hops. And I am so so damn excited that it is finally here from june 21st to the 25th there are 22 unique band collabs which are dropping they have all been created by metal breweries from across the united states and canada i have curated this list i have curated these collabs i have helped create these unique brew experiences that you can go pick up i am just so so damn excited about this just to name a few of the amazing collabs which are dropping next week. Here in Canada, we got Cannery Brewing with Unleash the Archers, La Patscaire and Augury, Third Moon Brewing and Brand of Sacrifice. As well as in the United States, we got Broken Goblet Brewing with Hath. There's Cosmic Eye Brewing with the RRBG Podcast. We got Dry City Brewworks and Yakuza, Lasting Brass Brewing Company with Shadow of Intent, and Wake Brewing with the Atlas Moth. I'm just so damn excited that all of these people... And so many more have teamed up to work together to spread the good word about life, metal, and craft beer. If you'd like to find some more information on Brutal North America, you could head on over to my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And there is a whole bunch more information about Brutal North America there. I'm so damn excited that Brutal North America begins next week. Before we jump into today's episode, I would just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'm also asking you to rate it and write a review because when you do that, more metalheads just like yourself will be able to discover the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Now, why do I say this? I say this because when someone is looking for a new podcast to listen to, what do they do? They scroll down, they look at those reviews. If those reviews state that the podcast is amazing, is interesting, has killer content, then that person is probably going to give that podcast a chance. So if you were to write a review for the Vox and Haas Metal podcast, you could actually be the person that sways someone into becoming a future Vox and Hops head. And that would be something that I would truly, truly appreciate. Now, in today's episode, I'm with Craig Sauvé, who is the man that got Montreal declared as a city of excellence in heavy metal a few years ago. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 274. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. 
Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with Craig Sauvé. He is a Montreal city councilor for the area of St. Henry, Little Burgundy, Point St. Charles, and Griffintown. He is on the board of the STM, which is our public transport system here in Montreal, which absolutely rules. And I say that with pride because I don't have a car, and that's exactly what I use to get around. And it, I wouldn't do that if it wasn't so damn good. He's also a, an associate exec, on the Associate Executive Committee for Projet Montreal. You're a busy dude, Craig. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to sit down with me how are you doing oh i'm doing great thanks so much for having me this is fun this interview is a long time coming because uh we have a mutual friend that tried to get this to happen before the pandemic kicked off mm-hmm. uh, shout out to christopher curtis i call him tito uh, we went to high school together um i'm stoked that uh, he pushed this in the right direction and introduced us <laughs> it was a long time ago <laughs> True that. An excellent local Montreal journalist, too, that covers really important issues for our neighborhoods. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let, let's start with a, a shitty question so that we can go to brighter, more fun territory. Uh, we were supposed to do this interview, like, right, right when the pandemic hit last year. So so how did you cope with the glorious year that is now behind us of 2020? Ah, oh, well, what an awful year, right? Um, I'm very lucky. I know I have a job. I have a home. You know, I have food, I have a girlfriend, I have my health, so I have no complaints, you know. Uh, but, you know, as a city councillor, a politician, there's a lot of anxiety out there, a lot of really legitimate uh, worries from the population. So it was a very rocky year. Uh, the world has turned on its head. And, you know, all the cities with all the services we offer got turned on their head, too, with, dist- with you know, social distancing and, oh uh, and with new rules and, and sanitation rules. So, you know, to turn on... You know, the, the, the water fountains in the park, just so people can go drink some water. That was like weeks of negotiation with public health, you know. So every last thing was very complicated. And there are people out there that are suffering for real. So uh, it's, been a, it's been a rough year. And, I'm, you know, I'm an optimist. So I'm really hopeful that we're going to get past this as a, as a society and as a world. And we can start, you know, looking, building better, uh, better things and uh, going back to living like, uh, like we can uh, before. Even better. We'll be even better, Craig. That's that's up my so. goal. I always spread positivity, shoot positivity out into the world, and uh, bring people together. That's what Vox and Hops is all about. And it's also about, you know, drinking beer and having a chat. So Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, talking about music, uh, while sharing a craft beer. So, so what beer do you have on your side that we're going to share tonight, Craig? Oh, well, I decided to go with, uh, to represent the hood. Uh, this is from uh, Les saint uh, which is a cooperative brewing, uh, a brewery in Le, Le Batsmasset in Point St. Charles. And uh, they just did a recent series about uh, STM bus lines that pass through the point. Awesome. So they did a Pilsner based on the 57 line, and this is the Stout based on the 71 line. And uh, it's April 21st, and it's snowing outside for whatever, <laughs> God knows what reason, in Montreal. So I went with the Stout tonight to represent uh, local point brewery, uh, delicious stuff too, and represent the STM in one shot. So I think this is a... And they are great beers. I've had a few of them already. <laughs> what are They're you drinking? Awesome. Um, the, that you had to pick that beer with everything you're involved with. <laughs> On my side, I'm drinking a brand new Vox and Hops collab that just dropped this week. Uh, this is Black IPA, uh, clearly inspired by an album that I grew up listening to in my dad's car. Uh, this is by L'Ourse Brun, killer brewery out of um, Rapunzini. Uh, this is really cool. It's a black IPA, 7.2%. Um, 
it was so roasty and so malty that Bruno, their their head brewer, was so disappointed that no matter how much hops he was putting in, it wasn't popping. The hops were not coming through. They weren't cutting through the the roasted malts. That he added some pineapple puree to it. So wow, that's that's a bit wild and out there, but it's it's it, it's a killer killer brew and i am still i'm gonna pour this out and uh we'll do a cheers and then uh we'll talk about beer for a little bit beer and metal my two favorite subjects that's why this is the podcast for me <laughs> i love it killer killer foamy head i love it cheers. i love it and you can smell the pineapple from here it's it's really interesting Woo. And the roasted malts are delicious cheers it's awesome I don't know Los Brewer. It's the first time, honestly, I heard about this brewery. So they're doing really, really, really cool stuff. And uh, when I saw this label, when he sent it to me, I was like, "I can, I can help you move that beer. I, I can stand behind that project." So that's why, <laughs> that's why my, that's why my name's right there. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about beer. Let's talk about your very first beer, Craig. Oh my goodness, my very first beer. I was uh, in a park in the West Island where I'm from. I'm from the West Island of Montreal. I'm a suburb boy. And, uh, you know, I was probably a bit underage, you know, like a lot of kids uh, when they try the first beer. And I think it was a blue dry, if I'm not mistaken, a, uh, what we call a king can of blue dry. So it's like a double can uh, back in the day. And uh, I thought it was horrible tasting beer, uh, but I enjoyed the little buzz I got off of it. But uh, not too long after, I started uh, with my friends really, really early on going to the SAQ and also buying beer underage at the SAQ. I had long hair, you know, the metal head. And they don't grow no more, but they still have beautiful long hair, <laughs> wavy hair. And uh, <laughs> we used to go to the SAQ and buy for our friends. I used to try all the different beers from around the world, and I was so excited to try. I remember the first time I tried a Heineken, I thought it was like a whole other uh, whole other type of beer that we couldn't get in Quebec. I thought it tasted like, you know, the, the marijuana. I thought, that, what's that skin, the skunk taste? What is that? I love it. And my first ever uh, Guinness to me was like, was a, a revolution too. I was like, what is this? It's black. I'm 15, you know, I'm learning about these things. Yeah, so, and, and McEwen's Scotch Ale was one of my first ones. That was available at the SAQ back in the day, the, the local liquor commission in, in Quebec. And uh, it was like a sort of a very dark, like something like a 8%, very sweet, kind of like it has a molasses-y kind of maple taste to it. And that was something we drank a lot of uh, back in the day, McEwen's Scotch Ale. Very interesting. Very interesting. And I do remember my first Heineken too and being like, what the hell is this? Why is it so skunky? And a Bex too. That around that era of Bex had that same skunkiness to right. it. And it's because of those green bottles, right? So that's why the transition to cans that everyone's doing is uh, better for the beer because it keeps the light out. And that's exactly, it's the light that makes that skunkiness come out in, in the Heineken and the Bex of, you know, the when I was drinking them in the late 90s, early 2000 era for myself i was gonna say that you know that i know you, you did a whole month of alcohol free beer and alcohol free and sort of like other types of drinks and uh heineken makes a really good uh, non-alcoholized beer i always go for the craft but it's a 0.0 and it's really low in calories and it tastes a lot like the original heineken and, and i also did a a dry february so i was listening to you doing your dry february and i did my dry february and that was one of my go-to beers because it uh I thought it did a really good reproduction of the original Heineken with, uh, with no alcohol. We're very, very lucky to, to be in a world where there are so many great options for, for non-alcoholic brews. I think it's, I, I was, I found sober February to be extremely easy. If I was thirsty, I would still drink a beer and it felt like a beer. And, uh, I'm excited to see where 
2021 and 2022 going on the non-alcoholic game is going to go because i think it's just going to keep expanding and becoming more and more interesting absolutely absolutely and we're seeing in those sort of like small little beer stores and beer depeners mm-hmm. that they have these sections almost yep you know where you'll have you know 10 different types of companies that are making really good quality craft alcohol free beer and it's it's good because you know we need the, we need those cleansing times and we need to be responsible <laughs> with our drinking too I, I'm, I'm curious at the fact that, that you discovered more craft beer by going to an SAQ as opposed to going through the standard Quebec route, because I was completely expecting you to pull the, oh, I, I went from, you know, Blue Dry to Unibrew, to, which is the classic Quebec beer story that I normally hear. So t- talk to me about that a mm-hmm. little bit. Yeah, it's true. I did actually do that round, too. You know, we were really interested in... Uh, different types of beers and i don't know why i was so interested in trying these new types but uh, absolutely the unibrew and it's kind of metal too you know the logo the mozit logo fades mode yep. and uh uh what else that i guess they're raftman and uh don de dieu really good beers i was a huge unibrew fan as well and you know because they were stronger in the alcohol content you know it was it was kind of like a, a niche as well so you know you're pretty badass if you're drinking like a nine percent beer <laughs> and of course you know after three of them you're, you're 16 years old you go <laughs> but uh, <laughs> down, but uh, yeah, that was and Boreal too is uh, an, another company which I really appreciate and still making really good quality stuff uh, out from Blainville, I think, uh, mm-hmm. north of Montreal. I, I still love Boreal any day of the week. I think it stands up to uh, any microbrew, quite honestly. What would be the, the first true microbrew that really blew your mind outside of the, the SAQ and outside of the 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 big boys here like the smaller like a smaller craft beer bar i i think i remember uh you know some of the first ever a uh, hard ipa like this also those ipas that are really heavy in in the uh in the in the, in the bitterness uh, i love it you know i love it when it's really bitter i like to like make the ah sound <laughs> after i'm drinking a beer because you know? <laughs> it's really quenching something so uh, i remember trying my first i think it was probably in the states you know, it was like a double dry hop sort of look. The first time it looked like that sort of cloudy, yellow, <laughs> ultra bitter, but ultra refreshing beers. I couldn't name you one of them right now, honestly, but uh, I remember seeing it like in, in the Boston area and stuff like that. And that blew my mind. And so that's now very dominant. It's very present in the beer, uh, in the beer industry. And there's an amazing brewery just across the canal from where I am, which is uh, Missorum Brassatorium. And you probably know. Also Metalheads. Uh, Absolutely. And they make fantastic fantastic double dry hop uh, and, and ipas uh, and so them as another group that i i love getting a couple of cans it's hard to find they don't sell in stores you have to go to the brewery but they have an awesome terrace in the back and it's an industrial neighborhood so like there's almost zero residences in the very small sector they're in so it's just like these big gorgeous old brick industrial buildings and they're really nice setup and these amazing amazing beers so that's another crew. Uh, we're really in a, in, a, in, a, in a great area in the Montreal area for all the breweries that are coming out now. It's unbelievable. It's so exciting, and it, it just matched my passion so well. I was totally into it, and another one, and another one. And just even just my area, I live in Vilray, so just, just so many of them within walking distance, so, so there's no danger of you know, getting too far from the house, and you can just make your back on your own, and it's, it's, it's amazing. And you can like pub crawl to a few of them, uh, and it's totally doable and feasible within like a 10-minute walk. Dangerous on the way home, but... Fun nonetheless. Let's talk about the soundtrack of your youth. What music did your guardians or parents listen to uh, when you were not in control of the music? What music did your parents and guardians listen to? 
Michael Bolton, George Michael, Richard Marks, Soft Rock Home. <laughs> that was my dad, eh? Richard Marks. He loved Richard Marks. Yeah, Richard Marks has got some moves, and he's he's a cool guy to listen to when, he, when he's on podcasting these days and uh, doing interviews. Really? Got some interesting views, yeah. He's a pretty progressive guy. Uh, very anti-Trump. Um, no, he, I mean, so there wasn't, you know, my mother was classical music too, but there wasn't a lot of hard rock in my home. And I got it from other kids at school, you know. I see them wearing their, you know, mean-looking Metallica or Megadeth t-shirts or Suicidal Tendencies t-shirt, and I go, oh, that's... It was just something that there was an allure there with the with the uh, the aesthetics of it all, and when I heard, I think I think the first uh, metal song I can remember hearing that blew my mind was uh, "Symphony of Destruction" by Megadeth. Da da. I was like, you know, it's pretty basic, right? But it's really solid. Like it really. Again, I'm 13 or 12 when this thing comes out, and I said, "Wow, that's really that's really awesome music." But my first favorite band was Queen, and it's still probably my favorite band in the whole world. I think Queen is just. Beyond, beyond, the, beyond the scope of, of so much of what's been done and they've got some pretty heavy stuff too and so there was some convergence there and some Queen and some Megadeth at the same time and some Metallica I love that, I love that uh, Do you remember the first live show that you went to go see? I saw Rush at the Montreal Forum Wow That was pretty wicked That was, uh, that was a Counterparts tour so songs like "Stick It Out," I think, was the main single from that, which is a pretty, uh, pretty rocking tune, actually. And uh, you know, my friend, uh, my friend uh, had tickets via his parents, and we were like twelve or thirteen or so. So you know, escort with with his mom <laughs> to the Montreal Forum. Okay, but she she came to the show with you guys. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It was cool super parents. fun. Oh yeah, and now and then, you know, seeing Neil Peart live. You know, God rest his soul, one of the fine drummers of, of all rock and roll and metal history. And doing his solos, you know, it blew me away. It blew me away. They're such a great band to see live. I think I saw them three times uh, in total live. Every time was 10 on 10. Do you remember the last show that you saw before the pandemic hit? Uh, the before times. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last show I saw? I went to see uh, an electronic artist from Norway. He played, uh, I forget the name of the, the, the club, called Calm Trues. I don't know if you know Calm Trues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm my buddy Niall, and we went to go see Calm Trues. And, you know, the club was closing at 3, and he only got on stage at 1.30. Wow. You know, me and me, my friend and I were there, you know, 10, and we were having, like, we were having a nice conversation in the club. But when Calm Trues hit, you know, half of the people had gone because it was kind of late, and people, the metro closes at at 12, 12.30, so, but the room just rocked. Everybody was there, like, hit the floor, and it's sort of like an 80s-style chill wave, but he does it oh, the yeah. best. I think Calm Trues was one of the, the great innovators of the chill wave sound, so. Yeah, I think it was the last show I saw. You were a musician as well. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about your first time on stage. First time on stage with Necrotic Mutations uh, was the opening band. I That's was not insane. in Necrotic Mutations. Um, and then Hidden Pride also played, if you recall, yep. Hidden Pride yep. is a great death metal band from Montreal, technical death metal, La Suffocation. And we were the opening band and we were, you know, 14, 15 years old. We were called Carpathian. Uh, and it was in the, sty- the style of like Mortician, but not as well exec- executed, <laughs> but like really <laughs> low end, you know, like not going past the fifth fret, like bottom string the whole time. 
Um, and uh, the vocalist was really good, uh, and he had a really good low growl for, you know, a teenager. And it was fun. It was at the Cat House, which is a, a venue that doesn't exist anymore, on a Mayor Street. And, uh, you know, I would have no- normally not been able to allow to be access to access this bar, because there's not a lot of all-ages shows there, if any. And it was a, it was a really good experience. Uh, I don't think we were amazing. But the positive vibes from the, the other metalheads in the room, seeing these kids from the West Island taking a shot, going on stage, giving everything they got with, you know, the, the early chops they were developing was amazing. You know, I felt, I felt appreciated and I felt like supported, you know, and it, it encouraged me, even though, you know, when Hidden Pride came on after us, it was, you know, night and day. They were awesome. They killed it. They really delivered um, but I felt like we could get there and I felt that the, the community was there to support us and people would come see us and say, good job, guys, good job. You know, and there was a lot of that positive, you know, reinforcement. And that's what metal is all about, too. That's like looking after your fellow metalhead, metalhead and encouraging them to take part in the scene. And so it was a great experience. It's all about the family. It's all about, uh, you know, because we've all been there. We've all been that opening band. You have to be an opening band at some point. I guess some people haven't done that and they've just gone straight to the top. But a lot of us start at the bottom and claw our way up. (laughs) Being from the West Island, um, I know that the early version of Cryptopsy came from the West Island. And I feel like that was something that was known. So so were you a fan of the early version of Cryptopsy? Did you know them back then? Did you know them in that era? Did you knew did you know that they were from the West Island? I, I think I recall maybe one party where there were members of Cryptopsy there. I was pretty young, though, you know, so uh, they were, you know, metalheads of that age with that esteem, you know, you looked at them and you're, you know, with awe, you know, so I never really interacted with uh, members of, of Cryptopsy from back then. But uh but uh, there were some mentors and metalheads that were a little bit older, you know, 17, 18, around too. And uh, Blasphemy Made Flesh uh, is such a good album. Like, this album was an album that we played on cassette, in our in cars, <laughs> in our Walkmans, you know, the opening track, Defenestration, and then, like, it's so hard. <laughs> Never forget that opener, one of the best openers of all time. Uh, and, you know, I, <laughs> when it came on CD, I'm like, wow, this can even sound better, you know, because the cassette was already pretty rough and the recording's a bit rough. But uh, I love the early version of Cryptopsy for sure. Uh, it's, I mean, God bless you all, you guys. <laughs> you do amazing stuff for metal. <laughs> Why, thank you, thank you. Let's talk about metal and Montreal. Now, now in 2019, you did something very cool for the city of Montreal, and this is all you're doing, your brainchild. Uh, I remember when it happened, and you you walked in there with with a nunso vial. It was an album or a CD or a, a vinyl, and I remember everyone was sending us pictures of this. So, so. <laughs> I'm kidding. Amazing. I think it's so. You know, this, you, you, Montreal is now a city of excellence in metal music, world renowned. This press went worldwide. I think it's amazing. Uh, how did you get this to happen? Why did you get this to happen? What is the whole story behind this? You know, there, there are a lot of opportunities uh, as a politician to sort of take a give a shout out, you know. Um, and there's the, in, in, the, in the Montreal scene, you know, it could have been, you know, it could have been like a, one post on Facebook or something. But I really wanted some sort of like institutional recognition of this amazing scene we have in Montreal, you know. It is, you know, Quebec in general, I think, is amazing. And Montreal is a bit of an epicenter and all that. There's so much action. I mean, it's the metropolis of, of the province, so a lot of it comes to Montreal. 
and we've put out such good quality bands, you know, uh, that have, you know, gotten world renowned, who have in turn influenced other bands across the world. And I wanted to get that in. So I wanted to really just meet, make people take notice in Montreal and, and recognize what an amazing scene we had here. Uh, so I proposed it uh, to, you know, the mayor and some of my colleagues at, uh, at City Hall. <laughs> And they're like, are you, are you nuts? Like, what are you, you know? Because sometimes we, you know, we celebrate the traditional things or, you know, certain communities. I said, this is, this is awesome. Like, metalheads work so damn hard on their craft. They do it, like, almost the vast majority for free. Like, so many people are just passing out flyers, organizing, doing podcasts, uh, playing bands, you know, supporting it. And, and most bands, when they start, they don't really expect to make a dime. I hope I hope that everybody could, so we could have more metal that is self-sufficient, and you know we can make sure that artists are well paid. But people just give and give and give and give, and it's you never hear it on the radio. It never gets respect on the award shows. Never gets respect in the mainstream. So I thought it would be something that would that would really sort of you know say thank you to the Montreal metalheads, uh, and and make our civil servants at the city of Montreal also take notice. I want our civil servants to, when they when they do cultural programs or or if we think about uh, you know sort of in, in investments or, or support, or, I want them to remember. Hey, we have a metal scene here that's one of the most kick-ass scenes in the entire world, and there's tens of thousands of fans in the region. Uh, so that's what it was about. It was about saying thank you, and it was about getting recognition. And my colleagues thought I was a bit crazy because it's really not something you you talk about. But I knew that that fellow fellow metalheads would appreciate it because I always felt, as a metalhead, that I had access to this beautiful culture, and nobody wanted to know the first thing about it. And they always wrote it off. And I said, no, no, metalheads, they they would appreciate. We want to stay underground. That's cool. We want to do our thing. I don't want us to be you know on Billboard top fifty all the time. But you know we want that recognition would be appreciated, and it, that's why I think it went around the world. Because metalheads were like, thank you. Like, thank you for talking about us. And so the city of Montreal voted a motion. And I worked with Sébastien Coteau and, and Louise Girard was in, in the loop too. Uh, Sébastien Coteau from Necrotic Mutation. Louise Girard was a, an empresaria of a great importance in the Quebec metal scene. With Sanfre and other things she's done. And so we, 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 wrote, we wrote the draft and we sort of mixed it a bit and then... We submitted it, and uh, we got a unanimous consent uh, for this motion to declare Montreal um, uh, a city of excellence in heavy metal. And the press went wild too, and the international press. And I saw my, you know, my name being mentioned in Japanese and Brazilian, uh, sorry, Brazilian Portuguese, and uh, in Finnish, and like all over the world. I was getting Google hits all of a sudden. It wasn't for that, though. <laughs> but it was amazing to see that we've been able to to, to vibrate this idea that Montreal is a is a city of excellence in heavy metal across the world. So it was a really fun, it was one of my funnest moments ever as a politician. It's amazing. I, I was so stoked because, because I know it's true. I've toured the globe. I know that metal has its hot bits, as people like to say, but Montreal has been a hotbed for so goddamn long. It's not just one era that came from here and then that's it. You know, just a, a flash in the pan. Montreal has been doing it consecutively for years, mm-hmm. for decades now. Why? I get asked this question all the time. I have my answer. I'm curious as to what your answer is. Why are there so many damn good bands coming out of Montreal? Why so many metal bands specifically? Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I'd love to hear hear your impression too, but uh, I think Montreal is a hub for culture. And I think there are historical and geographical reasons for that. Uh, I think, you know, geographically, we're not far from New York, Boston, some of the centers of, you know, like North American culture uh, in in this region. And we're not, you know, we're a bus ride away or a train ride away. So there's exchange with these cities, culturally speaking. Um, I think, you know, the, the Prohibition era, era in, uh, in the United States brought a lot of amazing jazz music to Montreal. Oh. And I don't go, I'm, I'm going far away here, but I think no, no, that's cool. that, th- that the creation of the jazz hub in Montreal and the black community here in Montreal and the impresarios of jazz here and all those amazing musicians that came up to play in the clubs in the 20s, they stimulated something that really started, I think, sp- uh, struck a spark in Montreal. So I think that's a piece like there. We've been at where culturally and geographically, uh, I think, well located. And then, you know, there, there's, you know, we're, we're, we're a people of joie de vivre, I think, in Montreal. We like to live. Uh, it's not all about work for us. It's part of our culture. Um, we like to go out. Uh, we like to have good food. Uh, and so the appreciating things that aren't just materialistic, I think, is part of us as well. So the cultural scene is boosted by all of this. We have four universities, numerous uh, junior colleges, CEGEPs. We have music schools, left, right, and center. Uh, we have jazz festivals. We have uh, Nuit d'Afrique festivals. We have every type of music festival you want. And every single scene has a huge quantity of musicians that are top quality and musicians that come from all across the planet to come play here. So the metalheads here have like this basin of you know, music education possibilities, uh, a really lively scene already. And so that's why I think we grow when we grow when we grow. And so I sort of see a connection there. Maybe that's a bit abstract, but I think there's something there. It definitely fills in some some gaps in my answer too. So so that the, the Prohibition era jazz musicians, the scene that is sparked there is like an earlier precursor to my answer, which I got from interviewing uh, the guys behind, the people behind the No Speed Limit, the history of uh, Quebec metal. And his answer, which I thought was amazing, and that melded with Lord Worm's answer. Uh, who I had on my two-year anniversary, and him and Mike were like, "We we found it. We found the perfect answer." So so the, the jazz mixed with with the no speed limit, which is the fact that during the '60s, '70s, uh, all of the cigeps would have these auditoriums, and a bunch of prog bands from the UK, from the states, came and toured Quebec. They played the cigeps. So there's this whole crowd of people just getting exposed to this progressive music, out-of-the-box music, um, just about every weekend. You can go see a different prog band at, during that era. And at the same time, there was the biker, pu- the biker pubs that would have more hard-hitting music happening, more hard rock. So the melding of those two things uh, mixed in, and Lord Worm was saying that it's all about the, the progressive music, you know, yes, coming through. And then kids who are growing up listening to their parents' music, which is like, yes, Genesis. It's just not that much far of a step to push it a little bit faster, a little bit harder, taking all those weird time signatures, amping up the distortion, and then throwing in some harsh vocals. And there's death metal. <laughs> I think that's totally true. <laughs> and we did. We did have some really early prog rock bands, right? Stemming from Quebec and that's true. It's the, begin, the beginning chapters of uh, 
uh, Deface's work there. It's uh, it's true. Yes, thank you. Thank I you. I looked up some of those bands too. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty good stuff. And like the '69 and '70. <laughs> I forget the names. Like Sex was one of them. I think one of the bands. That... <laughs> Great. Man. It's crazy. We're we're lucky to be from here. And then and then as the, yeah. the 2000s rolled on, you know, obviously there's. I always credit Cité 2000. Where, where, you know, Cataclysm and Cryptopsy jammed and they were facing each other. They would like step out of their jam rooms after having listened to each other. That friendly sense of competition really drove the Quebec scene in the 90s with Gorguts, Cataclysm, uh, Cryptopsy, Necronic Mutation. That came over. A suffocation would come up here and tour Rimouski. Like Rimouski was a tour date on a Canadian tour. That's crazy, you know. <laughs> yeah, they had a, it's such a great scene. It's amazing. Rimouski is really on the really on the on the radar. Yeah. But on the, you know, you'd never see that nowadays, you know, like a tiny town like that on a tour date. It's, it's, it's great. But back then it was standard practice because the scene was there. Uh, Circle Pits in the way. And then uh, BCI um, booking at the medley, bringing in just about every metal tour for the, you know, mid 90s or late 90s up until the 2000s super impactful for what's happening right now in the Quebec metal scene. So it's, it's like a, a, a process of everyone helping and everyone evolving and like a, just a layer and a layer and a layer. And that's why Quebec is such a rich, has such a rich metal culture. And I think it's amazing. I absolutely concur with everything you've said. That's, that's true. And good point. Cité de Mille, an excellent piece there too. I, I remember walking into that place where you'd hear just blast beats left, right. And so. <laughs> From the, there's, there's a room down the hall is blasting there. Okay, this guy's working this amp. Uh, that was amazing. I love it. I love it. Hey, what's up, Fox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right. I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Back to craft beer. If you could ever make a Craig Sauvé beer, what style of beer would it be and what would you call it? And I'm adding an extra layer to this because you're local, you're from Montreal. So, so what local brewery would you like to pair with to release this beer? Oh, that's, that's tough. You're asking you know, a politician to take sides with a local brewery. <laughs> <laughs> You can leave out the brewery. Don't do that to me, man. No, I mean, you know, I, I, there's there's really great local breweries in, in the neighborhood where I'm at. We got McCausland as well, uh, right down the street. Uh, and I, I, I know them pretty well, and they've been amazing to the community. Um, what kind of brew? I, I, I've actually brewed two beers before. Uh, my girlfriend is a brewer, uh, like a, a home brewer, and she's got all the equipment, and we did two batches together. And the first one, we were going for a blonde stout. Oh, uh, that's ambitious. Damn good. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah, we didn't get to the blonde stout. It was a delicious blonde. I forget we named it, but it was uh, we, we brewed it just in time for the U.S. election to be able to sip 
as Donald Trump was losing. And, uh, and then we made, a sec- we made a Christmas beer, which was called Not Today Santa. And uh, that was an excellent, excellent beer. Uh, my girlfriend's really good at it. And uh, so we're, we're going to do more experimenting and uh, brew some more beers at home probably. And uh, I really want to try a double dry hop. I really want to see if I can pull one of those off because, like I said, I want that like... 4,000, you know, IBUs. I want to go, ah, for 10 minutes after <laughs> sipping it. And I want to be, like, completely non-translucent at all. I want it to be, like, nuclear yellow, you know. I want to see if we can do that. That's killer. That's killer. Most of the time, those, those crazy orange juice opaque ones the ibu is actually lower than you think it is ibu is a more like mm. a west coast dank so when you need to like scrape your tongue after mm-hmm. so so you can do it though i believe in you and ask ask the Masoran boys they'll, they'll they'll help you out they started out as home brewers they are fantastic really that's a that's a, a, a hidden gem for people that don't know a Masoran brassatorium if you don't know about it, you haven't been listening to the podcast, people. <laughs> For myself, I, I am in pit retirement, but I think that when the pandemic stops and we can start getting into concerts again and, and my friends will be coming through town, I believe that I might find myself out of pit retirement. Are you in or out of pit retirement, Craig? I.e., do I jump in the pit once in a while? Exactly. I do jump in the pit once in a while. Do you? I That's do. sick. I do. Uh, I think uh, the last time was uh, maybe Beyond Creation. Uh, they, really? They, they did their album launch at, was it, I wanna, it was somewhere on the plateau. I think it was, anyway, it was a great album launch and uh, uh, I was feeling it and I jumped in there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, it depends how I'm feeling the night. Sometimes I just want to hang back. Sometimes I'm still in a suit and tie from work when I go to the metal shows. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I know I've jumped in the pit uh, many times, and it just feels good, you know? I'm not, a, I'm not one of those harsh, like, knock the other people down, like, really try to go. I'm sort of like a circle pit kind of guy. I love the sort of running around and just sort of like letting out energy and sort of, you know, friendly bumps, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the first uh, show after you made Montreal a city of excellence in metal music? Did, did, did people come up to you? Were you more recognized because of that? Um, I don't think so. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't think uh, too many people. I mean, a lot of people wrote me. A lot of mm-hmm. people wrote me after that uh, via Facebook, Twitter, or, or other things. I made new friends uh, through that, so that's cool. But uh, nobody came up to me really and uh, said, hey, you're the Montreal metal guy. Which is cool, you know. People are if you have their shows and doing their own thing. I didn't, I didn't do it to get recognized. I did it for like all of us to give us a little bit of a, a pump up, you know, and uh, to get us a little more recognized. Was there a message from a Facebook or a Twitter that that blew you away that you you didn't believe that this big star was hitting you up? No, but um, there is a local sort of metal blogger. Um, his name is is uh, is Jim, Jimmy K. Goes by Jimmy K. And he does the metal voice. I don't know if yep. you know the metal voice. Yeah, and he uh, contacted some people when he heard this thing was coming out. Because in City Hall, when emotions about to come out, you have to put it on the agenda. And it's, it's on the agenda mm-hmm. a few days before it's, uh, it's actually voted on. And so that becomes public. So he, he saw it there because it was reported. And then he asked some people in the metal scene. And Dave Ellison commented uh, within like, you know, 12 hours or something and saying, this is awesome. Montreal is definitely a metal city. I confirm as someone who's played there, you know, dozens of times. And that was really fun. That was really fun that it was touching, you know, international metal artists. And they were just saying, yep, I agree. Montreal is definitely a metal city. That's so sick. And David, Dave rules. Absolutely rules. I, I'm, I'm back into talking to a politician. Um, 
in the world, I don't want to get too polarized, but in the world, people are not happy all the time. And Vox and Hobbes is really not political at all. So, so my question is more like this. If people are unhappy with what's happening in the world or in their city, what is the best way for them to try to make change? That's a good question. That's a good question. I think that, uh, I mean, if, if, you're really, if you're really someone who wants to make change, uh, let's get involved with, uh, uh, and there's, there's a, a number of ways to make change in this world. Uh, it can be directly through politics. So you can say, I like this politician, this political party, I'm going to go help them. But there's also other organizations in civil society that really move things forward. Um, there's the media. You can become a blogger. You can start blogging and writing about or doing podcasts or blogs. Um, or you can, you know, join a local community group. Maybe someone who's, you know, working on an issue you care about. If it's poverty, if it's the environment, if it's, you know, whatever it may be. Um, you know, there are, there, are, there are even sometimes religious organizations that do fun things for change. There are unions that work for change. There is a... I think there are a lot of places where we can go. So I think it's most important that people go where they feel the most passionate and they find, and they find the group with which they feel most comfortable working uh, and try to find the group that are, are doing honest work, that are working in good faith um, and that are trying to really make the change in groups that, you know, you don't have necessarily um, people with, um, that are trying to do it for themselves or uh-huh. for getting headlines or anything. So I think it's a good experience to find those healthy groups and it's hard, you might not be able to suss one out right away, but usually there's groups in every neighborhood of, of all sorts that you can get involved with. But like I said, if you're more of a, someone that just wants to work by themselves, maybe, you know, uh, online presence, maybe, you know, blogging, maybe uh, doing some research and sharing research, you know, uh, could be really helpful. And I, I know that there have been, you know, podcasters, bloggers, uh, you know, social media people that have really influenced the rest of the world. We have that opportunity now. We have a whole new opportunity for voice. So I say just go out there and, and give her. <laughs> I love that. I, the The internet has given a lot of people voice. Um, we don't have to listen to them all, though. <laughs> no, no, by any no. There are some people, Fed show, there's people that do like all sorts of bad stuff on the internet too. Absolutely, but so I mean, that is a whole other societal epistemological art, uh, discussion we have to have. I think, but, uh, but there are great. You know, maybe a more established group to start off with. That's some of a bit better track record, if you want to. But usually in, in, in groups, people will take you in. People will be happy to. And you make friends. When you get involved, you make friends. You meet new people. Uh, like-minded individuals are always fun to be around. Absolutely. That's true. That's true. Craig, thank you so, so much for taking the time hanging out with me. We're going to wrap this up. One last question. I love to finish with this question. It probably doesn't happen to you very often because you're very, very busy being a city councilor, being on the board of the STM, being involved, uh, being on Project Montreal. But every once in a while, it happens to everyone. What is your hangover cure? Uh, you know, what's really good exercise. Exercise is really good. It's hard. It is hard. You know, if you've had a rough night, go for a walk, get the blood flowing, get some fresh air. Uh, I really recommend that, you know, and if, if you can, if you can do a little jog or do a little bike ride, just get that system going again because you're in withdrawal if you're in, in hangover and your body just needs a, a reboot. So drink some water, go do some exercise. I love it. Craig, thank you so, so much. Hanging out with me, talking about your life, music, and about craft beer. I really appreciate what you've done for the city of Montreal, making us an official metal city. Uh, I'm sorry it's taken this long for us to hang out, but I'm happy that we did. Cheers to you, and uh, I'm very, very stoked to hang out and drink a beer with you in person soon. Likewise, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. This blog really rocks. I listen to it all the time. 
Cheers. Blog, this podcast. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. I loved this conversation as i mentioned uh, throughout it uh, it is one that has been in the works for quite some time the pandemic really just sort of put a halt to that sadly but i'm very very happy that i had a chance to connect with craig a very important human in the history of montreal metal uh, it will not be forgotten that montreal is now a city of excellence in heavy metal i love that and i know that you do too if you enjoyed this vox and hops episode you should sign up to the vox and hops metal podcast mailing list you can do that on my website, voxandhops.com, and that's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal podcast, including all the details for any episodes which I've dropped throughout that past week, if I've been a guest on someone else's podcast, all the information of any cool projects I have in the works, such as Brutal North America, as well as the updated links to Thirsty Thursday Hangs and the links to the Brutal awakenings playlist which is available on both apple music and spotify and is curated by my man jerry monk the metal architect himself so please do me a favor sign up to the vox and hops metal podcast mailing list because there's just so much going on in the world of the vox and hops metal podcast i would hate for you to miss a single thing the vox and hops metal podcast is brought to you by sound talent media i hope that you have a glorious weekend i will be back next week with two episodes but in until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. <laughs>